hello and welcome and season's greetings to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game. I'm Harry Parkhill and this is episode 17 of the podcast and this time I'll be going up to Stockport for the league finale, the desolation of Cheshire. So uh, today's episode is going to be the usual sort of tournament episode, very excited about it as well. Heading up to Stockport for a fine, fine tournament um, uh, led by the the indomitable uh, Stephen Crow and Ben Bowles. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a pretty pretty good tournament. I'm really excited about this one because it's the league finale, as I mentioned, and uh, that means uh, that means lots of people who'll be uh, competing at the highest levels of the tournament. So hopefully we'll be able to find out um, a little bit about uh, well, first of all, the winner of the the, the league in general, uh, and hopefully the tournament as well, um, and. And we'll be uh, we'll be able to find out some 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 I suppose of the the, the lists that have been winning uh, at the competitive level here in the Great British Hobbit League that I've been spending so much of my uh, podcast journeys uh, talking about. So. That's going to be very exciting. We're going to have lots of information about that later on. Um, also, of course, talk to Steve Crow himself and hopefully Ben, if, if he's around. Uh, I'm not sure he'll be around for the whole weekend. But uh, so just talk about the tournament itself because uh, the, the scouring of Cheshire is one that I've been meaning to get up to uh, for a while. This will be my first time getting there, which is really exciting. And basically, it's it's incredible. The, the boards look absolutely outstanding. Really, really excited about this one because uh, Steve is, if you don't know him, uh, he's... He was a member of the original uh, GBHL uh, podcast on YouTube, uh, one of the team members for that, um, but mainly now is uh, Top Table Gaming, in, uh, along with Ben and uh, and Jay. So they 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 basically they uh, they they just do loads of battle reports. They do lots of sort of uh, live streams, and 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 Steve in particular is very keen on sort of terrain building and painting and all that sort of stuff. He's an absolutely amazing painter and. Uh, his terrain is is absolutely fantastic so really excited to to head over to the tournament for that so uh, just to see some amazing boards it should be should be top notch and I've decided because it's going to be such a competitive tournament that I'm not going to try and compete at the top levels I, I, I've brought lists before that I think are, are decent um, and I could probably and I've done well with you know in particular Scotland a couple of episodes ago I was quite happy with the Dwarf Alliance I'm pretty sure I'm going to run that again at some point but I think uh, I think this time it's going to be a bit of a shark tank, especially near the top. There's going to be, you know, about a dozen, if not more players uh, who are really, really vying for the top position in the league as well as the tournament. So uh, there's no point. I just don't want to be playing against those sorts of people because I want to have a great time, a great weekend, Uh, as much as actually a lot of the the guys at the top echelons of the tournament I know and and get on really well with. I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be trying to compete, really, because that's just just not not much fun for me uh, at this stage because I'm just not good enough to compete. So I've decided to go for something a little bit fluffy for the 700-point tournament. So with that in mind, it's time to build an army. Ask, build me an army worthy of So I have decided to settle on, for this 700-point tournament, a very simple nine-model army. Yes, yes, that's right. I'm going with one and only the Fellowship of the Ring. Now, uh, at 700 points, I had some sort of debates to have, obviously, because 
at 700 points it's a bit tricky to fit um, Gandalf into the uh, into the list despite him being very good um, as if I want to have the the full nine so I could for example drop Merry Pippin Sam perhaps um, and Frodo could um, just go with maybe no Mithril Coat and no Sting um, but then of course then Frodo starts to become a bit weaker and Frodo is so central to the army bonuses um, that mean that you're not broken and uh, that means that everyone's fearless so I think I want to have Frodo um, and if you're going to have Frodo you kind of really want to give him the Mithril Coat at the very least so that's pushing him up to sort of I think 70 points or something like that so it's getting very expensive or maybe 65 uh, so I figure I'm going to probably struggle to squeeze in um, Anduril on Aragorn and things like that so I've decided no Gandalf so it's going to be a breaking of the fellowship which is great because um, it means that I can finally paint up my uh, Fellowship of the Ring models that I got from the Made to Order release uh, a, f- a few months ago sometime uh, I think at the summer um, which is which is a fantastic box set of of all the miniatures in particular the hobbits that are running along and chasing uh, running around I love that I just love those models they're fantastic they're so dynamic um, and very rare for the um, for hobbits to look sort of good and be the best bit of the army I think so I've, I'm, uh, I've been really excited to paint those up and I've actually been doing some videos on the YouTube channel as well uh, as I paint uh, paint those up so if you check them out on Battle Games in Middle Earth on YouTube um, then please uh, please do have a look at how, how the progress has gone um, so that's really exciting so I thought right okay break it, battle uh, sorry uh, breaking Middle Earth uh, pff, breaking of the fellowship and uh, and then we've got uh, lots and lots of models nine models so I know what you're thinking if I've dramatically dropped Gandalf down Khazad-dum and off my list then who is the ninth member of the fellowship of the ring well of course I've decided to include Smeagol now there are a good few downsides to this, uh, so let's let's delve into those at first. First of all, it means you have to divide the fellowship into two warbands because Smeagol is only allowed in a warband if Frodo and Sam are in it, but no one else. So, uh, so Smeagol, Frodo, and Sam are all going to be in a warband together, um, and also it does mean that you've got a sort of slightly unusual number of points. So I'll I'll go run through the the costings and I, what I've given them, and I'll, I'll explain some of the reasons why. So uh, start with Frodo. Um, although he's not actually the leader, uh, you, I think he's kind of important for, as I mentioned, the break. The break point uh, means that you, you know, if you start losing the hobbits, then you're not going to be broken instantly. Uh, as long as Frodo's kicking around, so and also the ring is pretty powerful. So so the ring, Frodo, Mithril coat, Sting, and an Elven cloak. So that's the that's the start. Uh, Sam is also in that warband. I've given him a, a, a cloak as well, and Smeagol. So and actually, Smeagol's uh, you know not, nothing to be sniffed at. Uh, two attacks, fight four, strength four. You know this is this is something good, and they've got a might point as well, and a fate. So two wounds and a fate. So so actually, Smeagol's not bad. Uh, of course, the downside uh, compared with Gollum which you can get in the Goblin Town list, uh, is that he doesn't have a ring. So uh, he's not he's not that cheeky halving the fight value uh, thing, although you've still got Frodo to do that, so it's not too bad. And also he moves five inches rather than four compared with the Hobbit, so he's not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. So that's Warband 1. Uh, Warband 2, uh, the rest of the Hobbits uh, are going to have Merry and Pippin, um, and they're both going to have cloaks, elven cloaks. Um, my point, my idea with this is A, all of the hobbits have cloaks, that means so they can be a bit more sort of sneaky and hide behind things and, and in particular for objectives later on in the games things like that, they're, they're, they're going to be a little bit more resilient. They're not going to draw a lot of firepower anyway I'd imagine because 
they're hobbits. They're not going to do a lot of damage. Uh, they've only got one fate and a, a wound each. So they're pretty poor, but 15 points each. Um, yes, it's an extra 50% of their value adding cloaks. But I kind of think that... I just yeah I kind I just kind of think that that they probably could benefit from having cloaks and hiding behind objectives I don't know uh, we'll see we'll see um, then we've got uh, the leader of the army I've I've completely done this all backwards uh, reading it out backwards but anyway uh, leader of the army is going to be Aragorn of course and um, he has a bow a cloak and Andril so he has the elven cloak this pushes him up to two hundred and five points with Andril as well so it's a big big points obviously uh, not gone with horses uh, this is the proper fellowship um, the hobbits can't be mounted anyway so you're going to be slowed down if you want to look after them um, I think you, if you were going to do the, the fellowship on horses you'd just do Aragorn Boromir Legolas and Gimli um, but I think I just it's just not the same is it it's just not just not the same so so i've got aragorn um which is all cool and nice and um, one thing i haven't got is the armor for aragorn now again this is this is a themey choice rather than a tactical choice and um, from defense five to six it can be useful i suppose um but i've decided i've decided just to go with the the, the themey options because aragorn didn't have armor at this point uh, the model from the breaking of the fellowship doesn't have armor on so it just makes a lot of sense to to, to go without it and also the maths works so uh, that's that's Aragorn 205 points and Jirel, of course um, depending on your your uh, your opinion is uh, not a theme choice but uh, in the books he carried Andril around with him anyway so uh, Andril uh, although it was broken uh, so we'll have Andril as well and also it just gives him that extra killing power that you really need in a list like this where you've got uh, your crutch is going to be a few heroes so uh, that's that's Aragorn and um, Boromir I've given him a shield even though um, when he's sort of being shot at by Lurtz obviously he doesn't have a shield um, but it, it just it just gives him that extra defense boost which is very useful um, I haven't given him a cloak I'm assuming that he's left it behind with his backpack at this point um, and then Legolas also has an, a cloak no armor again a, a, a choice perhaps if you were being really competitive about this, you might have dropped the cloaks off Merry and Pippin and given Aragorn and Legolas armour. But I think, again, Legolas didn't have armour at this point. He did have an elven cloak, so I've gone with that choice as well. And I'm figuring that he's probably not going to be getting stuck into combat on his own very much. He's more likely to be taking on a couple of people occasionally, but um, mainly shooting early on and getting those getting those early kills to give Gimli the uh, bonus and Gimli of course uh, rounding off things at 100 points and just Gimli on his own no no cloak or anything else he can't take anything else anyway so so that's what you've got you've got 205 points of Aragorn 100 points each for Gimli and Boromir with a shield and 110 for Legolas with a cloak uh, and then all the hobbits um, with the mithril sting uh, and some cloaks so it's, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting combo uh, armaments. I think obviously if I was trying to be uh, make this a bit stronger, we'd get armor and things like that. But it's the Fellowship of the Ring, and it's fantastic. And I love uh, playing the Fellowship of the Ring. I once won Throne of Schools at Warhammer World playing with Fellowship of the Ring, and um, that was fantastic. That was a thousand points, so I had absolutely everyone in it, um, including Bill the Pony and Gandalf, which was delightful. I mean, I could have gone with Bill the Pony, but I decided I've never used Smeagol at all uh, in an army. So uh, even the Golem, actually, uh, from the Goblin Town list. But uh, I thought, oh, it'd just be fun to have uh, uh, have a bit of uh, have a bit of Smeagol in there, just to see just to see how he works, really. It'd be nice to have someone who's not a complete slouch in combat um, instead of Bill the Pony. I think Bill probably is the better choice, 
but I'm not sure. We'll find out. We'll find out, I suppose. Uh, and also thematically, Bill fits better with Gandalf um, and pre pre Moria, so uh, I think that makes sense. Smeagol can be sort of sneaking around on his log and things like that. So. It also gives me opportunity to paint up some new fellowship models. So really excited about that. So there you go. That's the list. Uh, going to head off to Stockport in a minute for the scouring of Cheshire. Uh, and I'll catch up with Steve Crow later on in the podcast just to get a few ideas about uh, the ethos behind the tournament. But first... Riddles in the dark. I press Yes, 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 it's time for Riddles in the Dark. This is the part of the podcast where I play a clip from the movies and all you have to do is uh, get an e- send an email in, tell me who speaks next and what they say in the clip, entmookpodcast at gmail.com if you're interested. Now, um, it was episode 15, uh, Riddles in the Dark, uh, the last time I set a riddle. I did give you a reminder in episode 16 uh, in War and Reading, so it's been a good month or so, I think, and uh, November was the... Uh, episode 15 so very exciting very exciting uh, that we could finally get the answer to this riddle which I'm sure has left some of you scratching your heads so um, and actually quite a few of you have gone in touch about this one I know I mentioned a few episodes back about maybe not doing it as regular as as before but uh, we'll work out a way of doing something else different maybe in the next start of the new year we've got I've got some some potential ideas not necessarily for games but just some different ways of tackling uh, uh, tackling the podcast. So, um, uh, first of all, uh, let's just have a read through of some of the other epi- uh, some of the other emails that I've had in. Um, I always appreciate you getting in touch. Uh, so, let's have a look. Who's this? Uh, this is Evan uh, Azkoy. Azkoy. I don't quite know how to pronounce that. Evan. Apologies. Uh, A Z C U Y. Um, Evan, you've been in touch. Thanks very much. Um, you say uh, thanks for the great content. Well, that's you're most welcome. I'm sure there's very little of it. Uh, great content. Anyway, at least I'm providing content. Um, he says just uh, listen. To the most recent Green Dragon podcast. Shout out to the Green Dragons. Uh, your Sharku theme list is very similar to one I ran. It did pretty well at 750 points. Yes, this would have been a while back now. Um, this was where I challenged the Green Dragon people to uh, basically use... A, make lists out of underused models so so if uh, models that perhaps don't see the tabletop as often as as they used to of course now uh, with uh, the urukai uh, and the uh, all the new bits and bobs in the uh, the war in rohan book i'd imagine that uh, that sharku might see see the tables once more which would be nice um but uh, i did run i did come up with an a one that's probably a little outdated now uh, but still, it, it was pretty cool, 750 points. And uh, Evan seemed to have liked it. He says, just want to give a shout-out and thank you for the recent contribution you made to the hobby. Keep it up. Thank you very much, Evan. That's really kind of you to get in touch about that sort of thing. Uh, who else has been in touch? Now, I think it's... Yes, Dave Sweeting. Dave Sweeting, who came uh, to the Lord of the Imps at my own very own tournament in October. The first time I met him there, and he won the painting, uh, best painting competition. Fantastic uh, Moria army with spider queens and all this sort of stuff that looked absolutely fantastic. So uh, Dave's been in touch. Thanks very much, Dave. Uh, nice to see you again last weekend. Two podcasts in two days. Yay! Just finished 50, episode 15 and wondered what your reflections were on the army of Thrall. More specifically, how the army of Thrall with the Goat Rider allies, as it, as it's a list I've considered compared to Kazadum dwarves. Were the goat riders a big help? I was thinking I'd try to cram as many bows in the Kazadum list to try and hope that would help somehow with the lack of mobility. Regards, Dave. That's a really interesting question, actually, because the whole idea, as I mentioned in 
Oh, it would have been episode 15, yeah, so two episodes ago now in Scotland. Um, I'd, I've always struggled with dwarves and mobility, and I found that, that I never quite got where I wanted to. Um, and I inc- decided to include a few goat riders with the Army of Thrall. If you want to listen to a bit more detail about uh, that, uh, then head on back to episode 15 and have a, have a bit of a gleg. Um, were the goat riders a big help? I think maybe... But not very often. It's it's an odd one because um, goat riders were the lowest defence in the army, so they were defence six. So, and because of their mobility, they naturally became a target for anyone with bows, which on the one hand is good because it means your heroes aren't necessarily being as targeted and you're less likely to get sort of lucky shots. You know that really annoying time when one archer shoots a thrall or something, rolls a double six and you you fail your fate rolls and things like that. And it, it, that was much less likely to happen, but it did mean that you've got sort of 20 points or so of goat riders uh, massively at risk. Um, so that was that was... So I think they were good in the sense that they were a little bit of a distraction, but the times they did hit they were very, very useful because they could help crumple the side, uh, the flank of a, a line um, and things like that. So uh, it, a little bit more detail, I'm sure. I, I don't know whether I went into a great deal of detail in the podcast itself, but episode 15, I did discuss that. But generally, I think Goat Riders is a great addition to an uh, allied army with Thrall. Also, the key thing there is uh, if you're allying Goat Riders in, you're probably also allying Dane in. And if you're allying Dane in, that's a great idea. So Thrall... Uh, loads and loads of grim hammers with Dane on a pig and some goats. I think it works really well. It's something I'm definitely going to resurrect in a future episode. So maybe Dave, uh, I'll be able to uh, play test that idea a bit more for you uh, in the future. Uh, you also said um, I was trying to think about cramming as many bows in the Casadum list to try and ho- hope that would somehow help with the lack of mobility. I personally am not a fan of bows in dwarven lists. Um, mainly because they have shorter bows, um, so you don't, you're never going to really win a, fi- a, a, a sort of shooting war against things. So because they, they've got 24 inch range shooting, so you're still going to have to walk forward towards them. And once you start walking forward, you've got dwarves that are just, get, they, they, you might as well just get stuck in. That's that's the way I see it. But uh, I may be wrong. I, maybe you could try dwarven ballistas. I've seen lots of people um, using those, and they're. Uh, they, they've certainly got disruption on their hands. Um, I'm not, still not convinced. Kazadum, I, I think it's just a real, it's just really struggle unless you get some marches in there to get, just to close the gap quicker. But even the, uh, I, I found it's not the the march necessarily that's the problem. It's the trying to sort of sneak around once the lines have clashed. Uh, that, that that is a difficult thing. But anyway, that that's just that's a couple of thoughts there. But thanks very much, Dave, uh, for getting in touch. Uh, and and if you're listening and you think oh yeah I, I like your idea for X Y Z and you want to ask me some questions about how it actually performed because I know I don't go into great deals of detail when I interview people after games then please do get in touch uh, send your questions in and I'll I'll include them in this section of the podcast entmootpodcast um, at gmail dot com uh, if you have any questions about how I, I run any of the armies um, or you know more specific. Uh, answers to questions like Dave sent in so thanks very much Dave for that question uh, feel free to uh, contribute as well now on to Riddles in the Dark so uh, this was the clip from the last episode episode 15, this, this is the riddle we were trying to guess So who speaks next in that clip and what do they say? Uh, Hamish Gentles has been in touch. Hello, Hamish. Thanks very much for getting in touch. You say it's Frodo that speaks next. And he says, I do not ask you to come with me, Sam. 
And he says, love this game. Please keep it semi-regular. There you go. Hamish, thanks very much. So I'll keep Riddles in the Dark going. Don't you worry. Uh, who else has been in touch? Albert James Barr has given in touch. He says, uh, after our game at uh, Warfare in Reading. Yeah, Albert, we played at uh, Warfare in Reading. I uh, thought we'd give it a go again. Uh, he thinks... Is it the big battle in Return of the King, the Pelennor Fields, where the elephants are just arriving and the king says, Reform the lines! Hmm, interesting. Yes, that was exactly what I was hoping people would uh, would fall for. That was the trick I was hoping for. So uh, I, I can already tell you it's definitely not that. But thanks very much for getting in touch, uh, Albert. Anyway, that was uh, that's. <laughs> I'm just so glad that the that you've uh, you've fallen into my trap. <laughs> uh, another Albert's been in touch, Albert Fraval. Uh, thanks very much, Albert, for getting in touch again. Uh, good to hear another episode from you as always. He says uh, this week's riddle riddle was of course the scene when Smeagol, Sam, and Frodo make it to the black gate of Mordor. The line is spoken by Sam as he remarks, look Mr. Frodo the gate, it's opening hmm, okay, personally love the riddles in the dark section of the podcast even though I don't always get to write in, I always love trying to figure it out. Okay, great, uh, I will keep it going uh, then finally Dan has been in touch, Dan Brock's home, thanks very much Dan he says, the line is from the two towers the Easterlings marching into the black gate Frodo says, I do not ask you to come with me Sam. So a few answers around the same area so we've got Hamish saying I don't ask you to come with me Sam we've got uh, uh, Albert Fraval saying uh, look Mr Frodo the gate is opening that's Sam saying that and then we've got uh, Dan saying I do not ask you to come with me Sam from Frodo and we've got another Albert saying uh, reform the line from uh, Theoden so before I reveal the answer I'm just going to give a quick shout out to someone who got in contact uh, in a previous episode of the podcast but was somehow relegated to the ignominy of the uh, the, the spam inbox uh, this is uh, M- Merton or Merton Moyerson I think it's probably Merton or maybe Martin uh, spelt with uh, M-E-R-T-I-J-N uh, hi Merton uh, you correctly got the answer to the uh, the riddle in a previous episode I can't remember which one uh, which was uh, why are there dwarves coming out of the toilet spoken by Bard's daughter so well done uh, thank you very much for getting in touch last time apologies I, uh, that it's only got until now this was sometime in October you sent this email uh, but that's just one of the things that uh, that happens uh, with the with the old uh, the old spam inbox so hopefully it won't land in there next time Anyway, this is the answer to this week's uh, Riddle in the Dark. I do not ask you to come with me, Sam. I know, Mr. Fr- I doubt even these selfish cloaks light us in there. So there you go, there you go. So uh, well done to all of you who got it right. I think it was Dan and Albert who got it right this time. Uh, oh, no, sorry, it wasn't Albert, was it? Because uh, you, uh, you you said uh, something slightly different. I think you said, yes, you said Sam, didn't you? Uh, 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 look, Mr. Frodo, the gates, it's opening. It was not, of course, Sam, it was Frodo. So very, very, very well done to uh, to those who got it right. And if you were playing along at home, well done to you as well. Now... Uh, how about another riddle? Okay, let's let's do it. Uh, got a couple more weeks for another episode till the finally uh, the release of the conclusion of the Slow Grow League. Uh, so we should be able to get an episode out fairly soon in early January. Um, and this is the riddle. All we want to know is who speaks next and what they say. Hmm, tricky one, tricky one. Have another listen. Have another listen. 
They're not easy, ladies and gents. They're not easy. But if you know the answer to who speaks next and, of course, what they say, then get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. That's entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you know who speaks next and what they say. And, of course, uh, if you have any questions about the episode or how I use any armies or anything else, uh, Lord of the Rings uh, and Hobbit related, then absolutely get in touch on that email address. Now, seems about time that we actually head to the tables and crack on with the game's ultra-competitive style. I'm really trying to win this tournament with the fluffy old fellowship. So, well, I haven't got high hopes. Let's head to the tables. Here, Mr. Bilbo, where are you off to? Don't stop, I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure. Game number one of the scouring of uh, a Cheshire, and uh, I've, I've got my Fellowship of the Ring with a, with the Gollum edition and uh, playing against Colum, who You've travelled all the way from Ireland, Northern Ireland, right? Uh, no, I'm actually local. Oh, I'm, you're local, are you? Yeah, oh, I'm right. Irish originally, but I live in Stockport. So oh, okay, sorry. I've walked from 20 minutes down the road. 20 minutes down the road, not so bad then, that's fair enough. Uh, okay, so first of all... Um, uh, this is a, a league uh, finale, so it's, it's a sort of a big deal for some people. Um, but I understand you've never played in the league and you're relatively fresh to the game. Yeah, yeah. They asked me what my player number was. I had no idea what that meant. So yeah. I, I mean, I barely knew what, yeah. what player numbers were, but apparently it makes a difference in the, the Great British Hobbit League. So, so first of all, um, you, you come here and you've got a, a couple of friends with you yeah. and you're playing a, a, a fun kind of uh, idea. So t- first of all, start with your... Uh, tell me what your army list is and then uh, tell us about the... Gimli Bowl. Gimli Bowl. So I've brought uh, the Grey Company, Grey Company Legendary Legion. So I've got uh, all the named heroes basically. So Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, uh, the twins, Halbrad, and then one Ranger of the Northwood Spear. So seven models coming in at like 696. Uh, and then Gimli Bowl is basically myself and two other friends. We've written about it on the Drawn Combat blog, which you might have seen posted about the groups. Uh, we've each brought Legolas and Gimli, and we're having a competition over the weekend to who can get the most kills with Legolas and Gimli. Nice, nice. So uh, after this game, you're probably behind because you're against the Fellowship, let's be fair. Yes, yes. I would love to see something like Goblin Town, but yeah, the Fellowship was a bit sad. So I'm currently in last place, I believe. Sad times. So uh, first of all, when you saw that you were up against the Fellowship of the Ring, um, I mean, uh, in a domination game, did you fancy your chances? Um, I thought it might be quite even. You know... I've not really played against the Hobbits before, so I didn't know how effective they'd be, but I thought I might have an advantage over them, so that would I'd have more effective fighters than you. So I thought I might have a bit of an advantage, but I wasn't really sure. Yeah, to be fair, I, you've got two fewer models, um, but I've got uh, three Hobbits, uh, well, four Hobbits, but two of which are completely useless and two of which aren't as good. Yeah. Uh, and Gollum is, is okay in the right situations, yeah. but not amazing. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think you probably did have an upper hand, in particular because you're, you have a lot of bows, which yeah. I hadn't really... I, I've forgotten the twins had bows. Uh, New Halbrad and Aragorn and uh, uh, Legolas had bows, but... Um, oh, did, actually, did you give Aragorn a bow? I can't no, remember. I didn't. No, he didn't. Okay, so but either way, you had four bows against my two. So... Um, either way, uh, it was an interesting game because there was a bit of t- uh, scenery in the middle, uh, this, this sort of ruin. There's quite a lot of ruins on the table. Um, and we both deployed relatively normally with the objectives in the sort of uh, the usual position for dominations, sort of 12 inches away in a sort of circle around the board. Um, and there's this one bit of terrain in the middle that, that you kind of castled up around and I kind of castled up around. 
but I think because you had the bow advantage, neither of us really wanted to commit for those first few turns. What happened? Uh, I think you're exactly right. So I heroic marched up to the centre and I thought I was in a good position. I was kind of lined up. You didn't have line of sight, so if you came around the corner, I'd be able to charge you with all my guys, uh, picking whatever combats I wanted. So I had quite a good advantage there. And then when you did come around the corner, uh, poor old Boromir, he, he ate a lot of bow fire. Yeah, I, he's used to getting a few bows to the yeah. bows to the chest, but suffice to say, I, I was hoping for him to survive. But to be fair, I, I thought, well, I've got to commit someone. I've got to commit all of them really at once to draw uh, draw fire, and hopefully, I was just hoping that you know someone would come out unscathed. But of course, Boromir, Boromir with six points of might, goes down uh, to Legolas's bow fire, uh, a Gimli axe, and uh, some twin fire. So, yeah. so it was a pretty rough turn. Um, you know, no fate on Boromir, but three wounds down. That was pretty tough but I suppose spending might with heroes with bows makes sense to take down uh, yeah, a big yeah. guy like Boromir so I think that's probably right you've, you've swapped like one or two points I think it was maybe even just one I think it was two points off Legolas two points. to get the kill yeah. two, to get the kill two points of might for six points of might and a, and a combat beast like Boromir I, that, that makes perfect sense yeah. so from then I kind of withdrew a bit thinking alright okay I, I, I can't charge again because you won the next combat so so I was I was being a bit maybe a bit um wussy but I instead I sent in Frodo and Sam to try and get uh, yeah, Legolas yeah, yeah. which actually was was doing okay they almost killed him they did Legolas was like oh I have this and then after a couple of turns thought actually maybe I don't and promptly ran away yeah exactly so he's def uh, Frodo's defense six of course so he's hard to get with the ring on I have your fight value with Sam striking yeah uh, I had the upper hand a bit but it just took a couple more turns and I'd hope to actually get the wounds off uh, uh, Legolas and he was le left down to uh, to one fate and one wound I think in the end or maybe even just a wound uh, uh, in the end but either way he, he was fine but the, me the main melee happened um, basically when I'd left uh, there's a little triangle of a gap there's a wall that was really very frustrating a sort of standard six inch long wall uh, in an angle pointing in so there was a, a towards a ruin so there's a gap that only one model could get through and I poked uh, my Legolas out so that I could be hiding behind the train and still get some shots off but I just didn't measure it quite well enough uh, that you got managed to get one of the twins into him and once a twin goes into Legolas it was a it was a bit of a ropey situation for me because there was a wall that I couldn't end up getting round and, uh, and it just meant you get you, you could bring two guys to bear on uh, poor old Legolas yeah uh, and then, but then as the combats went on, I think the wall kind of, it started to hurt me as much as helped me. Because mm. you managed to hop over the wall, and then Aragorn and Gimli were isolated on one side, and the twins had to try and run around. Uh, so yeah, it was interesting. I'd not really fought across walls before, no. so I was learning rules. No, those barricade things, they, they can be really helpful, especially because I, I, was, I was defending the barricade with Legolas, who hadn't struck, so, and that really helped him survive for a few more turns. Um, but then... As as the momentum came to you, towards your way, with the banner, I think really helped as yes, well. Definitely. But but also, uh, I've, I've just not got as many guys. So once the, we were out of resources, you've got you know uh, uh, five heroes with uh, six heroes with with three points of might. I've got three heroes left with three, three points of might. Yeah. So it was pretty tough, and I, eventually it did whittle me down. Luckily, I managed to get a kill on one of the twins, which meant the other twin had to charge Aragorn yeah. uh, and uh, fight him one on one for a couple of turns. Yeah, so the heroic challenge went off, so obviously he couldn't strike, so he was in a bad position, and Ar he was out of might then after two rounds of combat, Yeah, um, and Aragorn had his free might to keep striking up, but he managed to hold him up for a little bit, Yeah, and he only got out kind of a, a, of that combat on the last turn. So. Yeah, exactly, so I managed to, on the last turn, managed to almost kill Gimli, I think, didn't I? I, I was one wound off killing Gimli, yeah. yeah, so it, I had still got two points of might and the free one, so had it carried on one more turn, it would have been... Uh, 
it would have been a, a different, a slightly different score. I think it would have been 5-4 to you. Yeah. Uh, instead, it ended up being 5-2 because poor old Frodo and Sam got ganked by uh, Aragorn, Halbarad, and um, who was Legolas. left? Legolas in the yeah. middle. So, so two hobbits against that that uh, kill team there was was pretty much a, a done deal. But either way, uh, Colin, it was a fantastic game, and I understand you listen to the podcast, so um, or uh, so you're, you're, you and your friends do as well. So, uh, thanks very much for for joining me on Entmoon for the first time, and best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers. So, game two of uh, the scouring of uh, Cheshire, and we're playing Storm the Camp. Uh, I'm playing against Matt Wielding, uh, who I think was on how many episodes ago? Three or four episodes ago, something like that, uh, in the Battle Companies hybrid tournament, uh, where you ended up winning that one. So, uh, a fearsome competitor. Uh, but what have you brought with you to the league finale here? And, and are you sort of aiming for the top here? Um, no, not really. Um, I've got Erebor, so um, Thor's army of Thor, uh, without Thor. So it's allied with uh, Saruman and some Lothlorien. Yeah. And you've got uh, Dwa- so you've got Dwalin, Barlin, you've got uh, Haldir, uh, Saruman, and some guards of the Galadrian court. So, how- so generally, you're thinking fight, fight six dwarf front line with with magic to to help. Yeah, basically. Um, sadly, it's quite good against all hero because it's got so much fight six in it. Yeah, exactly. So the Fellowship have really struggled and um, bouncing up against those lines. I didn't, don't think I managed to kill one of those pesky Galandrian Court for, because it's so hard to get through your uh, Dwarven front line. But um, Storm the Camp, um, you know you're against the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, what sort of plan did you have and did you fancy your chances? Uh, yeah, just because I've got enough guys to slip through and it's going to take the Hobbits forever to, um, to get to more, towards my camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, you, do you think I should have uh, adopted a different plan? Because I ended up coming forward a bit and then tr- trying to anchor myself around this one bit of scenery, but uh, clearly it didn't work in the end. No, not really. I, it sort of became a, um, a tough for you because you were getting trapped a lot, sort of hidden behind this, this large rock. Mm. Um, um, I don't really know because if you stayed in your camp, then it's kind of you're just fighting for a draw. Mm. So yeah, I think because I'd be fighting for a draw, and I wouldn't be able to. St- you'd already be in it, in the camp, so I wouldn't be able to stop you. So yeah, it, it felt like a, a pretty tough one for me to do. I mean, any kind of objective-based scenario is always going to be pretty tricky for uh, uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. But uh, either way, it was. It, I felt like this one was particularly tough because even though I've got people like Aragorn and uh, Gimli who are, you know. Good, mom, uh, good guys for taking down defence seven. It, mm. it did feel like you know with the fight six, it, I was drawing the odd fight and losing the odd one here and there, and so it, mm-hmm. it just made, it took me a long time to churn through anyone. Eventually, managed to take out Haldir and Dwalin, yeah, um, and time. that was a big turn. It was, yeah. Uh, sadly, the turn that followed it wasn't so great for you. I think Legolas, Legolas and Bor- no, Legolas and a couple of little hobbits went yeah. down. Yeah, and then I just had. Then by that point, obviously the the hobbits had had done pretty well to survive so long. They they survived a good five turns or so uh, of combat. Still alive. Yeah, and Frodo is still alive. We'll get onto him in a second. But um, the the hobbits, they, they they sort of, I guess they were blockers. They stopped this stopped the big heroes getting surrounded so much which yeah. meant they could try and churn through or, or try and kill the big heroes uh, Dwalin and Haldir so that I could I hoped the idea was that I'd hope that then I'd be able to churn through the troops a bit more but of course with those fight six it just meant I was still drawing combats and, and even with uh, elven blades like Anduril it was, it, was, it was a tough ask really to churn through any kind of dwarven heroes yeah well in the end it sort of came down to just Aragorn and Gimli who were just really tough for me to kill but yeah. they, it was really tough for them to kill anyone as well. Mm. Um, 
needing sixes to wound and then drawing with the five value yeah. stuff. And then Saruman as well in the beginning yeah. was cut quite wild. He knocked down like Boromir and Aragorn in one turn. Yeah, you quite smartly did two... Uh, Rather than what I was expecting immobilizers, you did two really quite successful uh, Sorceress Blasts which um, took out two heroes per go. So I was left with a couple of really inactive turns and you took a wound off uh, Boromir, I think, quite quickly with those. So it took them out of action. He gave, gave me wounds on, on these guys, which was just really hard to overcome. And he was just obviously standing behind a, a, a block of dwarves with, uh, with elves in support, so it was, it was almost impossible to ever touch him. Having said that, uh, eventually Frodo, with the ring on, uh, was wandering around the edges and sort of sneaking in combat and had a bit of an epic duel with, uh, with Barlin and uh, Saruman for about three or four turns. It was, it yeah. was quite an epic one. They, they just couldn't do anything about this Frodo. Yeah. Um, Frodo kept rolling a five on his one dice, and uh, I kept also rolling a five, and he was halving my five value, yeah. and then uh, winning the roll-offs. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So I've got, I've got Sting. So you know, I'm, I'm winning most of the roll-offs, and I, I kept getting pretty decent. You were, you were doing pretty crap rolls, to be fair. I was getting a five or four most of the times, uh, but you were getting pretty poor rolls. So that, that obviously didn't help. But either way, and. Um, he ended up taking two points of fate off Saruman, and he came very close very to close. putting that wound on him to yep. actually gain me some VPs. Yeah, he came very close. Saruman didn't have any might, so just one bad roll and one of those would force me to use all my fate, and then then it's just open for Frodo. Yeah, it would have been pretty awesome. I, yeah, as you say, you used a lot of, a, lots of loads of uh, Saruman's might to call away moves to give him magic and all that. So by that time, it was kind of left to him. I mean, you could have run him away and just left Frodo to his own devices, I suppose. But it was quite, something quite fun about the fact that Saruman was getting shanked by an invisible Frodo. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it would definitely make an entertaining scene if it were in the films. Uh, absolutely. And it felt thematic that Saruman was trying to get his hands on the, the ring as well. So, um, Saruman and Balin. And, and Balin, yeah, that... <laughs> It all makes perfect sense, of course. Um, so uh, a 9-0 victory to you in the end. You got the camp. You sent a couple of guys over into the camp. Uh, and you, in the last turn, you killed Aragorn, which was probably a mistake on my behalf. I, I just, rather than, uh, uh, I went two-handed with my, uh, my Andrew and the hope to, of pump, pumping it up to a, a six, but that didn't work out for me. I got a three. Uh, so uh, either way, um, you killed him, and he was only on one wound and no fates at that point anyway so I thought ah, well as well but I should have struck but either way you killed Aragorn you got uh, the break um, oh no you didn't get the break you got the you 25 percented me but Frodo survived so I'm still unbroken goodbye yeah so uh, denial of VPs but either way Matt we're cracking victory 9-0 uh, win to you and uh, best of luck for the rest of the tournament thank you so game number three uh, we're playing Fog of War, which is uh, probably my favourite mission, uh, where you're sort of choosing your own scenery piece to protect, uh, heroes to protect, and heroes to kill, and uh, oh, sorry, uh, scenery to capture rather than protect. Uh, I'm playing against Robbie Williams, uh, not not the singer. Apologies, I know I, I won't make any jokes about angels or anything. Uh, but um, Robbie, first of all, uh, give us an idea of what your army list is and and how that presents a challenge for you in this particular scenario. So my armist was uh, Elrond, Elrond on horse with all of his all of his kit and Yoglad mounted armored horse and shield. Then they both had equal warbands of five uh, five swords and shields, five spear and shields, and five bows. Um, with my spear and shields, I had about five guys upgraded Kingsguard. Mm-hmm. And it presents a problem with this mission because part of the game is trying to guess who people are going for. But because I've just got two heroes, I know exactly who you're going for. And that really hampers what I can do with my troops. Mm. So effectively, do I want to send him in against your heroes? Well, not really. I know you have to kill him. Mm. 
Yeah, and it's a big six-point swing either way. And and I guess because of that, and the, also the difficulty in facing my army is that um, you're going, well, which of, which of these heroes uh, have, have I chosen to protect? Which heroes should you choose to do? We'll, go, we'll talk about that in a minute. And, but... It, me- it meant that Gilgalad basically didn't do very much for the whole game because you were wary sensibly of Legolas uh, being able to one-shot him through the ranks and things like that. Uh, and I saved all of my might of Legolas pretty much at the end because I wanted that one chance, but I never quite got it. But it meant that you, you had about 200 points worth of hero sort of wandering around, not really doing a great deal, which is difficult. It's very difficult. It basically means it's all on, it's all on Elrond and he's my leader, so... Mm if he doesn't do work and he dies then that's still a big loss for me mm. it's not like he's not I have no disposable heroes yeah. which is very difficult to manage yeah absolutely it's really toughy and uh, if we just have a look at the, the board where, where we are there's the sort of uh, there's three uh, bits of uh, wooden sort of uh, houses on each side and it ended up being pretty much a, a fight around uh, around one that I thought you were going for in the corner um, but also kind of hoped that you were going for that one anyway because that was pretty close to the church that I wanted to take. Mm-hmm. And I realised I, I had, a, after a few successful heroic combats, I managed to kill enough guys to break you. And then suddenly I was getting worried that, oh, OK, we're, this is going to be pretty close... Uh, close called thing and I think were you trying to play for the break to make sure that I couldn't get the terrain and then therefore take the win I was hoping you'd be so so happy to just kill my troops that you, would you got get, me there yeah to get to get lost with just killing them that's why I just started throwing people in even though they weren't favourable situations for me I was like yes Aragorn with Andrew have lots of troops to kill more than happy yeah. I was hoping if I could get to 25% and you haven't got the terrain maybe the points might work in my favour mm. um, yeah and there was a scary moment in the last turn where I I, I had knew it could potentially end this turn and uh, I moved Gimli and he was an inch shy from uh, or just less than an inch I think shy of the uh, of the terrain feature and I thought oh dear I've messed this up but luckily um, I managed to get a, a, a combat with Boromir and Merry or Pippin I think it was um, and just get enough to if I call her out combat to launch Boromir into the building which uh, did happen in the end so I, I got pretty lucky with that after burning pretty much all of his might I've got one might, point of might left for that and so let's just get, uh, go into a, a little bit of controversy at the end uh, not really controversy but um, this is a, it's a scenario that can be a, a, a bit not confusing necessarily but more like it, it can leave you with lots of potential things to go wrong let's put it that way yes. and um, my leader is Aragorn mm-hmm. and we made clear at the start we knew that Gilgalad was the only person I was going for so that was fine we didn't really say anything about um, who my leader is and although uh, you know Aragorn does lead the fellowship it's you ended up choosing him even though you're, he was, you weren't allowed to choose the leader yeah I pretty much got tunnel vision I kind of accepted that he was going to be right in the thick of it so I may as well try to get some points for killing him so mm. really I should have just thought about my strategy a bit better. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's an awkward one because you, you, we unveiled our things at the end and I was thinking, oh, crap. Okay, so this is awkward because um, although Aragorn hadn't, hadn't died, so you wouldn't have got any points from him anyway, um, it, it, it presents that issue where you're like, well, do we, who would you have chosen? Who wouldn't you have chosen? And all this sort of stuff. Would you have focused your attacks differently if, if not? And I mean, would, would, yeah. Um, yeah. Would, for, so say, say you couldn't have chosen. I mean, you ended up killing Gollum yeah. um, and nobody else because it, it was a very short game, to be fair. Um, if, if you hadn't chosen Aragorn, who would you have gone for and why out of interest? So I would have tried to have gone for potentially someone like, someone like Legolas. Mm. Because the hobbits represent the more obvious targets because they're a bit weaker, and yeah. I was worried you might be a bit more conservative with them, which you were with Merry. Yes, um, I was trying to throw you, throw a spanner in the works with Merry. Yeah, well, you know you don't want to pick someone that's too that's too obvious, and I just kind of thought 
well, you're going to need Aragorn or Boromir to do work. Mm. And Aragorn without his armour, which in your, in your list he didn't have, mm-hmm. it meant that I could have a chance to get some some pretty good <coughs> attacks on him if I can trap him and get him isolated because I've got so many numbers. And with your fight six uh, spears, it, it did prove quite useful, actually. You got took uh, two points of fate off him, so you did, did. you did do well. Uh, mm-hmm. If, actually, the game had lasted longer, you probably would have ended up wounding him uh, uh, once or twice, maybe. Um, I, I think Boromir probably would have been a good choice because you know he's probably going to be in the fray. Um, yeah. But also he's only got zero fate and three wounds, so that would have been a, an interesting choice. Um, Legolas, he, he, I'm always going to be skirting the, the field with him, trying to snipe stuff, but he just never got the chance, other than an absolute stellar performance in the first few turns. Oh, yeah. He took out like five or six elf archers yeah, um, from ten. your side, out of ten. So, yeah. so I, he was great, because he had the elven close, he was hiding half, half behind terrain, and uh, I was basically saying, come at me. You know, I, I kind of stood with my army hiding behind buildings, with Legolas going shooting three shots yeah and I literally could have could have just churned through them and broken you and ended up winning so uh, by doing that if you if you didn't want to move towards me so Legolas really performed quite well and then um, everyone else did okay but um, yeah the crucial thing was I suppose I just got enough of a heroic slingshot at the end just to push that into into the building to to give me the win in the end uh, 9-6 to me Um, as we say had, had you chosen a different hero you might have focused your attacks differently maybe but if, if I chose a different hero, it might have changed my attacks, but similarly it would have signaled you mm. what, I, what I was doing. So you might have changed your heroes differently. So as you see, we killed Gollum. Yeah. If it seemed obvious that I was trying to kill him, you wouldn't have thrown him in. Yeah. It would have just been a bit of a different game, but yeah. ultimately it was still really fun. Yeah, and that, that's the crucial <laughs> thing. Have, see, having the Fellowship do the, the work, we've got lots of heroic combats that were going off and strings of them where yeah. you know Legolas and Gimli fought one and then bounced into another one to help out Boromir, who then jumped into another one. So there were lots of lots of movements going on, which, which is... What I love playing, why I love playing heroes, because there's something satisfying about having heroes do these sort of strings of different things together and working together as a synergies that, that you get. And you even get your things like uh, Merry and Pippin, who are sort of valiantly fighting a few combats and surviving the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And and appropriately, the one person who died was Smeagol, which you know nobody's really that bothered by. <laughs> he, de- he deserves it. We yeah. all know it. <laughs> he lost every combat and was pretty <laughs> crap. So <laughs> Smeagol. Uh, and well, anyway, there you go, Robbie. So nine six to me, and best of luck with your second day of tournament. Uh, Hopefully you stick around and have a couple of beers and some pizza and all that this evening. But thanks very much for the game. Appreciate it. Smashing. Good game. Cheers. Good to meet you. So game number four of the scouring of Cheshire. And uh, I'm, we're playing capture and control with the uh, Fellowship of the Ring. So that's two objective-based games now. Uh, and a Storm of the Camp. So not ideal scenario so far for the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, playing up against Darren. Um, Darren, first of all, could you give us an idea of what's in your army? Because it's a really nice thematic uh, list, which also has quite a bit of power to it as well. Yeah, it's a historical list. It's uh, early young with 15 of his sons. So he's uh, quite a uh, prolific breeder, let's put it that way. Uh, there's a king of men, uh, fully armoured up, armoured horse, lance, trebuchet, five knights of Gondor with him and a knight with a standard. Yeah, and the, the trebuchet is the crucial bit there because that just makes makes you think, oh, I get, I've got to close the gap because otherwise those guys are going to get uh, creamed by the uh, the trebuchet and the, the rocks, which which didn't actually work out great for you. A lot of the, the, the a lot of the time they, they ended up missing, but it certainly has that fear factor. I guess that's how it's worked in the previous league. It does, um, and not only that, there's a couple of important ones where it knocked people down, like Legolas got knocked down, stopping him charging. Uh, so I got the charge off there. Not that it did any good, yeah. but... Uh, he still couldn't strike once he got up. Yeah. Uh, I think it took out one or two hobbits as well. Yeah, so yeah, I think you la- you killed both Pippin and Merry with uh, with a, a big old rock to the head, which is uh, the poor old hobbits. But um, first of all, I'm intrigued. Uh, when you saw the Fellowship of the Ring uh, for this scenario, I'm guessing you probably thought you, you had a good chance of winning this one. 
I thought I could get most of the objectives. It's all about trying to split the fellowship up um, and break them apart one at a time. And I think it went fairly well throughout the game. Uh, it's just towards the end, there were still three hard models left. And I couldn't quite get them off those two objectives. Yeah, and, and I had Boromir and Gimli, who were uh, basically absolute champions, the whole thing. I barely spent any of their might. They were just winning combats, and they were getting yeah. fives to wound on Elmet, killing two or uh, two or three uh, Aeol, uh, Sons of Aeol every single turn. It was absolutely brutal. Um, but I think I made a crucial error right at the start when I deployed uh, Frodo and Sam and Gollum. I was feeling a bit worse for wear after uh, last night. I wasn't really thinking straight. I thought, oh, well, I'll put half the Fellowship on one side, half the Fellowship over here, and you, you punished that, that mistake pretty quickly. Yeah, that was a gift. As soon as I saw Frodo, Sam and Gollum on their own, early young with, I think it was about ten of his sons, just went up, butchered them. Yeah. Um, I think when you had to send Aragorn to try and save Frodo, yeah. uh, I had him on his own and just had to pick him off slowly. Yeah, and uh, although Aragorn did a lot of heavy lifting, I think he killed six or something um, uh, Sons of Ale and also took uh, wounds and everything off uh, off the man himself. It, it was it was a slow slow grind, but eventually you managed to take Aragorn down, which yeah. was which is important. Yeah, it was just that one combat you lost and rolling eighteen dice from three sons. Yeah. Once I'd won the fight, there was no chance he was surviving it. Yeah, no. Even with uh, three, fo- still three points of fate and three wounds left on his uh, tally, there was no chance I was going to survive that one. So it was all a matter of when. When do I uh, spaff the dice and get something crap that I can't mice into? Yeah. Which, which absolutely happened. But yeah, I think if I hadn't um, deployed in that silly way, um, I, I'd have had a much better chance of surviving. I certainly wouldn't be broken uh, in the end. Well, I, I might might have ended up being broken, yeah. but it was certainly going to be a lot less likely. And um, if I'd have started on the middle line, it's a beautiful Amon Hen style board. Um, uh, absolutely gorgeous with the, with the seeing seat at the top and there's some ruins over there and the and the uh, little lake in the corner and stuff. But um, if I'd have deployed in the centre where there's this block of uh, ruins and, and some trees, I probably would have had a, a bit to anchor off and I would have been sat on the centre objective and it would have been very hard for you to get all of those horses into to bear. Yeah, that's it. Like with Aragorn, when he was surrounded by three sons of Earl and Earl himself, mm. a lot of attacks if you lose. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you're against a piece of scenery, I might get two in. Yeah. So it's nowhere near as bad if you lose. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'd have survived because obviously a few times you're going to fail your strike or you're going to get a rubbish rubbish roll in the combat. And ideally, I don't want to be dying if, if that happens, which is exactly what happened. It was happened. the Gimli where you rolled a 1 1 2 for his fight. Yeah. And unfortunately. Even was, with three might, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was only the uh, the Knights of Gondor that was in on him. Yeah. Otherwise, if it was Sons of Earl, they should have finished him as well. Absolutely, yeah. And I ended up uh, losing most of my wins. It's fives and threes for you to wound with the Lancers. So uh, it, was, it was still a tough ask, even with three of them. Yeah. So it was what. Uh, Six attacks, player doubling for knockdown. It still managed to just just survive by one uh, one uh, fate. I think it was in the end. Um, either way, it was a it was a cracking game. And I think at the, the start when I, I made that mistake with Frodo, I thought, oh man, I've, I've handed you victory, and it's going to be a pretty much a, a horrible game of uh, of slowly getting chopped down by a load of cavalry. But I think I got a few lucky combats. A few, uh, you know, a few. When I won the combats, I killed probably twice as many as I should have done in those combats, which just even the even the odds for me enough to make it a, a quite a balanced game in the end. It was. It was a brilliant game. Uh, very, as you say, balanced all the way through, yeah. and I think the score represented that at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was a uh, eight-six in the end to you, wasn't it? Was, it was. Yeah. yeah. And, and don't just uh, Adam, because you just mentioned at the end of the uh, uh, the, the game that, that, you, that you own this place. This is your uh, this is your baby, as it were, and uh, the Element Games, which is a fantastic venue. Just tell us a little bit about that, because I'm intrigued. Uh, how how long ago did you start up, and how's it? Because it's, it's one of the, if not the best, um, venues that I played uh, Toy Soldiers at, I must say. Yeah, uh, well, I 
set the ga- Northwest Gaming Centre up back in 2010. Uh, four years ago, Element started running it for me. Mm. Uh, so I've taken a complete back step, and Element are doing a great job uh, with Jay as well, uh, running it every week. It's just great that I get to come and play now and rather than having to run it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I guess... How did you come about it? Because it's an unusual building. It's like an old um, industrial sort of uh, factory of some sort, and it's been kitted out and refurbished and all that sort of stuff. Did you do all that process, or, or I assume not, not all yourself, I'm guessing? But um, bits. Um, luckily, in Stockport, it's full of mills and things like that, and this is just a small two-story mill. So when I found the space nearly 10 years ago, I thought it's going to be great and started building it from there. Yeah, right. Okay. So it took a, it took a long time to build it up, did it? Uh, about three, four months. Yeah. Um, started off with this area then obviously next door if anyone that's been they'll see the element shop element moved in as uh, quite a while ago and then uh, we just kept building it from there yeah well it's a it's a cracking venue and 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 the testament to the fact that it's still going strong after all these years is you know and hundreds of people uh, here on a regular basis playing all sorts of games so cracking cracking idea to set it up and and glad it's still going well yeah, it's, uh, at the time it was all about wanting a community here because yeah. we used to go away to tournaments at Warhammer World, the odd one that was independent across the country and was thinking there's just nothing like that in the middle of the country, which is where we are. Yeah. Uh, so that was the idea to let's get something going. Well, Darren, thanks very much for the game. Thanks very much for setting this place up. Best of luck in the next games of the tournament. No, and you, thanks a lot. Cheers, man. That's great. So we're on day two, uh, just about to hit lunchtime for the scouring of Cheshire, and I've got the man himself, uh, Steve Crow, who's one of, uh, or well, I suppose he's not here, Ben's not here, so you're the organiser of the, this <laughs> tournament, Steve. And, and uh, first of all, I want to start off with the kind of the idea, ideology behind this kind of tournament, because I know you've got, uh, I, I, when looking around, there's some absolutely outstanding boards, because you're a... You're a big fan of, of building beautiful terrain, and, and if anyone's watched your, your YouTube channel, yeah. they'll know. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, the hobby side is always first and foremost. Mm. Um, I love running this tournament. This tournament came about because at the time, I think this is the fourth or fifth year, I think, and at the time, nobody, I was going to a lot of tournaments then, but nobody was doing the tournament that I would love to play in, which mm. was the Matic board. It was all mats, five pieces of generic terrain. Um, I was doing a lot of stuff at home, a lot of terrain builds and things like that, which if you look at my early videos, yeah. everybody knows. Um, I'm playing on them, and it just brought something else out in the game that I wasn't getting everywhere else. So I thought, I'm going to put the event on that I want to play in, mm. and now I'm a victim of that because I still want to play in this event, and because it's mine, <laughs> I can't. Uh, but luckily, I, th- I think the league is changing. It's transformed a little bit over the last two years. Um, War is one of them, WAR, which uh, uh, Clubby does with uh, Ben Kluwer. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, one of the previous episodes, uh, last episode or the episode yeah. before. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're kind of doing similar things with the, with the boards. I know a lot of the international communities have really big uh, events with really nice boards. Um, but yeah, this event was never meant to be the competitive event it was going to be. It was more hobby-based, mm. so now I have to cater for both, yeah. uh, which is great. I love it. You know, I get to mix with the community, and that, that's why I do it, really, yeah. Well, I think it adds something to a, a competitive game where, where you know, the, lots of, there's lots of variables already. Adding layers of terrain that not only add to the immersion, but also add to that gameplay, the difficulty of, you know, negotiating around uh, a beautiful Brie board with buildings all over the place, or, or the one I was playing on the with lots of trees uh, for yeah. Amon Hen and things like that. It, this, it, it does add to it. I mean, some, some players will will moan and gripe yeah, because it's yeah. a, a nightmare to get your hands in or yeah, whatever yeah. but but it adds to it I think it adds to the game yeah I mean if you, when you read the rule book there's, there's rules in the rule book that for years and years and years never came up in games mm. because like I say you had the generic five pieces of terrain you know sometimes you never had water features at events yeah. um, and just having these things like climb tests and fall tests and things up there and bottlenecks things like that you know having to navigate through a town like you say um, you know a lot of battles that took place in the books and in the movies 
the uh, participants didn't choose their battlefield. They had it where they were, and I think if you bring a Smaug, uh, you may have to play on a late town board, and that's just how it is. You know, coming to this event, that that's what may happen. Mm. We had chariots on Lake Town yesterday. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> and, and would you have got the ice and the, the flows yeah, of ice yeah. and, and the, the, all the uh, boards and uh, the walkways and things like that, which yeah. is just fab. I'd love to play on that one. Yeah, it's great. I mean, we can't put them boards at the top tables. So, like the top, I think it's the top twelve tables are on mats with just nice pieces of terrain on because it wouldn't be fair because the competitive players have a certain thing they expect from their games which is fine I totally get that so the board's around sort of the middle towards the back end so if you lose your first game uh, your first game you're guaranteed to have fun on some of the nice boards yeah. and there's people asking can I play on this board next yeah. can I play on that board next and you know for me having to put having put in the time that I've put into the board seeing people enjoy it and people like yourself you know talking about it the way that you do um, it makes it all worthwhile it's great yeah, yeah. And so, so how many boards are there here and how long does it take uh, the, you know, the, to actually build individual ones and, and then you know, to actually have this many because there, there must be dozens of, of properly sort of uh, uh, I can't think of the custom word boards, yeah custom you? boards yeah. Yeah. so I, I think we've got on display I think there's 12 here I have 17 um, we didn't put them all out because some of them from we had a weekender event a few months ago and we used all the middle earth builds and some of them got slight damage and I just haven't had time to get around to repair them um, there was three which are halfway through being made um, one of the new ones at this event was the Mordor board which yeah. I made I say I made it over the space of a week in evenings maybe two hours at a time so probably about 10-12 hours got into it I've, I've found a nice technique now where I can get a majority of the board done and it's then the detailing anything that's got buildings on obviously takes a little bit longer um, but yeah it's, it takes its time but it's well worth it the, the dream is for Scouring to have every board being custom the problem I've got there is storage yeah, we yeah. do have a room at the back uh, in Element Games at the studio uh, we have a spare room for storage and we're kind of getting to the, the point the peak of that so it may be a case of I build boards and maybe donate them to clubs and they keep, take care of them, and bring them until here maybe. I have the event. That's something that I've thought about. But, yeah, I mean, I love building boards. I love playing on these boards. Um, I like, re- like recreating these scenes from the movies. And it just adds to the game. You can see people's faces. They're having fun when they're climbing over Bag End or, you know, like you say, they're running through Bree, through the little alleyways and things like that. It just adds so much to the game. It's great. It, it does. As a, a, an Irish guy that I was talking to last night uh, over a few beers who was, who's brought um, Sauron and he's absolutely desperate to play on the, the new Mordor board. He's like, oh my God, I love the Mordor board. I want to play on the Mordor board. So, uh, fingers crossed, he was he was hovering around that sort of area so maybe he'll have the chance. But and I guess that's it. Like, I, was, I was looking to play with my Breaking of the Fellowship on uh, Amon Hen, which is just yeah. perfect really I mean it couldn't be better unless I was playing against alerts and some scouts yeah. it literally couldn't be better for yeah, me so. well yeah that, it's like I just said before recreating the moments you know you, you've spent months painting an army for a, you know, a, a certain from a certain scene in the movie or from the book you're recreating that that, um, that image and then when you're able to play that out on a board as well it just, it just sort of completes the circle kind of thing um, and yeah I just people really get behind me at this event and I think the boards have a lot to do with it so I'll keep doing it as long as people keep coming and keep wanting to see them I will keep doing it and this year we've had so many new players who've never been to an event before it's fantastic it's just growing and growing and growing it's good for the hobby absolutely now I, I will quickly before we move on to sort of talking a bit about the fact that this is the league finale I want to just to talk about uh, about top table gaming your uh, your video YouTube channel and um, you've been running the channel for a few years now three or four years but it's sort of 
merged from the GBHL uh, YouTube channel as well. How, how did that all start and what's, uh, what's the, the sort of future look like for the channel? So Top Table Games started, um, I was a GBHL host, still am a GBHL host, <laughs> not many videos going out, but there will be, there will be, we'll come back, try to get all together as tough. So I started out in, in YouTube um, doing that and then Top Table was, I wanted to do other stuff so I started to play Frostgrave uh, and build terrain for Frostgrave. And obviously, being on the GBHL, it didn't really fit because we, anything that went on there wanted to be Lord of Rings or Hobbit. Um, so I just started it, and it was more the channel started out more for me as a hobby vlog sort of platform type thing, and it kind of evolved and it was doing quite well. Um, and then it started to get gain momentum. The GBHL podcast started to slow down a little bit because we were struggling to get together because of time and real life and kids and things. Yeah, everyone's all over the country, aren't they? Yeah, and um, then Jay come on um, about I think it's just over a year ago. And we had a conversation and we said, let's, let's see what it can do. Um, and we started to put a little bit more sort of finances behind it, buying better cameras and uh, lighting and things like that. Started to do well. Um, and then we got the opportunity to get the studio, um, which is here, which is great, uh, being in a gaming centre. So we got that, started to put better pro like production out and decided to keep up with what it is that we want to give, mm. put out there. We couldn't do it on our own, just the two of us. So that's when we took Ben and Leon. Yeah. Um, unfortunately... Ben has now had twins very, very recently, so congratulations to Lee. Uh, did I say Ben then? Yeah. Or Lee? Uh, you Lee. said Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lee. Um, so it's more the three of us at the moment. Um, we'll see what happens with, with, with Lee. He's obviously got his hands tied up. But yeah. Ben has hit the ground running, um, and I think he's brought another more... Whereas me and Jay are more about sort of playing fun games, having a laugh... Ben kind of likes the uh, the other side of the game, so looking at lists, writing lists, the numbers side of it. 20 minutes remaining. Yeah, 20 minutes remaining. <laughs> so he likes the number side of it, and people are like, he, he does a different style of videos to what we do, but between the three of us, um, we seem to have kind of found a formula that works. Um, going forward in 2020, it's going to have a whole new look to Top Table, so we're, we're, I spoke to you about it previously. Um, the live stuff is really where we want to want to hit, so we're going to try and cover as many uh, of other people's Middle Earth events uh, and live stream them and have commentators and guest hosts and things like that. Hopefully yourself will get involved. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, that, that's where we want to go. It's something, like I say, it started out as a, as a hobby vlog type thing and now it's become this whole different beast. It's my new hobby. It's yeah. kind of took over. I, I was going to ask that because um, I, I found um, doing this podcast that um, this, although I'm because I'm playing games during it, yeah. it, it becomes part of the uh, the thing that I do for the weekend. So yes. I go away for the weekend, I play Toy Soldiers, but also I talk to people on the podcast and then they edit it at the end and I listen back to it and so has it has it taken over from playing the game itself I think it has um, yeah definitely I don't think it has it 100% has um, but it's something that I'm really enjoying doing I don't have a background in anything to do with cameras photography filming sound computers you know I'm a, I work in the building trade I always have done my whole life so it was all new to me and it, I'm enjoying the journey. Uh, I'm learning new skills. Um, I'm just—I I love it. And the good thing, and you'll—you'll you'll sort of appreciate this, because we do what we do, and we're kind of becoming a face, if you like, in the community. I'm getting the opportunity to speak to a lot more people in the community and get to know them and make more friends, and it's really nice. It's really nice because the community is a different animal to what it was two years ago. The people that are in the community now are totally different. It's like the old guard are kind of dropping off again as they're having kids and life. Um, and we're getting this sort of new blood through. And it's great because the community itself has kept that really friendly sort of vibe that it's always had. Yeah. Uh, I know other gaming systems can don't have that. Um, I've started to dip my toe in 40k. Uh, and it's there. It's just that it's not as prominent as it is 
in the Middle Earth? I think it's probably because of the size of the community. I mean, the Middle Earth community is smaller, so therefore you, you're more likely to see the same people at events and therefore more likely to make friends with them. Whereas 40k, so many people play it that, that you're unlikely to make really hard, hard and fast friends because, yeah, there's, there's so many of them. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you, you, as you mentioned, the old guard is sort of not dying out, but <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're not playing as much. And uh, people like Jamie and uh, James from the GBHL early days, and um, uh, they're not quite as uh, active as they were. Um, but the, there is that new guard, as you say, people like uh, you, you will champion to the world, you Ryan Hinches, who are who are who have been around for a long time, but they're, they're sort of taking over the league, as it were, the games. And um, and this is the the GBHL finale, so. I guess there's a bit of extra pressure on you for to do the event in a kind of, oh, you know, we've got to make sure that this is okay for all the uh, all the top table players. Has it been a bit of pressure, or has that been an extra bit of fun for it? Uh, running an event is all, always pressure for me, like leading up to it. But once the first game starts, like the, the nerves settle. And, and I was talking to Jay about this earlier. Like they kind of run themselves. Mm. Um, there's a spreadsheet which I'm not great at. So I had Ben in doing it yesterday. He was an absolute legend. Um, wouldn't have been able to have this event if it wasn't for Ben and Jay. Um, not just on the spreadsheet, like everything, you know, as top table, as a team, we, we kind of dig in and help each other out. Um, so, yeah, but the pressure isn't as bad as it would be for maybe a newer TO because, like we say, the, the new guard and the old guard, I'm, I'm, they're my friends. Yeah. So, Will Champion, Ryan Hinch, you know, uh, Harry Moore, we're friends. Like, yeah. we, we've known each other now for years. We, we, we're, we're really good pals. And anything that I'd have an issue with, which I've not, but if I did, I know I could go to one of them and say, look, this is, I need to do this, or how should I do this? And yeah, it's been really relaxed, actually. I've, yeah. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. That, I mean, it's got the same vibe as the community itself, the people which, who run it. Which I suppose is a testament to the fact that this is one of the, the, the sort of peak competitive events for the year and uh, uh, you know you've got all of the the, the, the shark tank at the top yeah. of, of, of the of people who are really really competing at the highest level um, but everyone is chilling out we all had beers last night a lot of us went out drinking until yeah. the the wee hours and things like that so it just shows that you know it's, it's a lovely community to be part of it's a re- it's been a really really relaxed weekend I've, I've spoken to this to a few people this weekend even the top tables we're talking like table number one um, a little bit a few tense moments but generally really friendly and you know there's not that oh I must win at all costs type thing uh, everyone's just sort of you know rolling with the dice so to speak and it's been great uh, it, I've loved doing this and I'll continue doing it 100% going forward uh, as long as people want it yeah. great well Steve thanks very much for talking to me best of luck for 2020 for Top Table Gaming yeah hopefully we'll see you on there and uh, yeah I'll uh, be on your podcast at some point again soon <laughs> hopefully <laughs> cheers thanks for talking to me cheers Game five of the Stowering of Cheshire, and uh, it was a game of Lords of Battle, which I was thinking, oh, actually, you know, I've got a, I've got a good chance of this. I've got some big heroes; they can do some chomping. This is good. But I came up against Quinn Duggan. Quinn, uh, we played before at the Desolation of Stockport. Uh, just give us an idea of your your list today. Uh, well, the list is a disgusting Iron Hills list. Uh, it's got Dane on a pig. Captain on a goat, 25 warriors, one of which has a banner and then a blister, which is uh, really the nasty part of it, especially considering how this game went. Yeah, I think that that was it. It was pretty rough because I had to start. I, I started as close as I possibly could. You were pretty close as well. Um, you know, just slightly out of charge range with your uh, your pigs and stuff. Um, but the first couple of turns, I made a, a fatal error early on. I measured Pippin to be three inches uh, back from the back line of my fellowship but stupidly not the front line of my fellowship so uh, I was thinking ah scattering's Pippin sorry Pippin but you know and then uh, but stupidly I didn't leave enough room to for him to uh, no not shoot someone else so I ended up getting a ballista to the face and disrupting things very early on 
um, which kind of put me on the back foot. And then from then on, it was it was pretty messy. What happened? Well, first turn of combat, Boromir got charged by both Dane and the captain. We both struck Boromir fatally, rolled a one for his strike. I win the fight. That's five might gone from the army, which... Mm-hmm. And considering you didn't win a single priority the entire game, that and that also really hampered your might store. It, losing five might and the priority issue, it just meant that I was draining might from you whilst keeping it for myself, which meant I had a lot of control. Absolutely, yeah. You, you kind of dominated it in terms of control, mainly because, as you say, um, I was losing priority, which means I have to call calling the move. So, you know, the might caddies like your Frodo's and your Sam's, and your Gollum, uh, they were starting to call the stuff. But then, of course, you're getting a free one every turn, pretty much, from uh, Dane or the, uh, the, the captain. So it, it was just make, forcing that, that hand, and you, you were still left with quite a lot of might. And then once Boromir went down, it was, like, it was a hand-in-face uh, fa- moment, I must say. And then uh, there was a couple of turns where Aragorn rolled like a one and two and a one for his uh, wound rolls against some things. And then there was a couple of things. I mean, I, I hate to, to talk about dice in this way, but I do feel like I was a little unlucky because... I'm not quite sure what I should have done differently, if I'm honest. There isn't really anything you could have done. The The only blunder was really Pippin's placement on turn one. But other than that, it was a game of just ill-sided dice. Yeah, and, and I think even even that mistake, it didn't lead to, lead to any deaths from what I remember. I think a, a couple of fate saves here or there. Uh, and But obviously the disruption of knocking everyone down, including Aragorn, so he couldn't actually win that combat uh, or strike after that combat meant it just... I think also it's a mental block. If you, you make a mistake like that early on, you think, oh, God, this is such an obvious mistake. And, I, and then I, I'm probably not thinking straight as it is. So, so from there on, and I mean, it ended up being uh, seven, uh, seven guys killed on my side, but only I think one or two of them were stabs. Two, two uh, of them were from my ballista. Yeah, two of them for the ballista. And I think you got an unlucky shot. Almost, no, you almost killed one with a stab as well. Um, but yeah, it just... When, when you should have, you know, Boromir and Gimli and, uh, and Aragorn kind of killing a couple of guys a turn, it f- feels like that was, uh, that was bad. But maybe, it, maybe it's because I, I went straight for uh, Dane and the captain. They were right in the centre. I left, left myself open to, to be charged by those big heroes when if I'd blocked it off a bit differently, I might have been able to just chop through a few more troops. To, but ultimately, I was going to have to deal with them at some point because they were going to be right moving and all this sort of stuff so so i feel like I, I had to had to tackle them at some point and i'd get my mic back if i did it there was one there's one turn where it almost almost could have been a, a big swing um where i think all of my guys won their combats uh gimli killed one i think legolas won his combat uh, whether we killed someone or not i can't remember um and aragorn won against dane um having had frodo in his back so uh but i only got three or four wounds I think and I had to spend two might to get yeah. the th- fourth oh shite socks wet where there's burnt holes in the shoe <laughs> we just had a, a, a coke fall on the floor so uh, and all over some stuff but it's alright we're surviving we're surviving um, so to continue the thought we were talking about um, the turn that I wound, uh, wounded Dane I had to spend two points of might to wound him thinking mm-hmm. and it would have been a 50-50 basically because uh, I had enough wounds to take two wounds off for sure but it was a matter of whether you saved the other the other fate wasn't it so so uh, and, and that happened and um and, and it went your way so dane was surviving i think that was the only chance i really had to to swing things back my way but alas it didn't happen and it ended up being a 12-1 to you because i did get those wounds on uh, uh dane but either way quinn i, ho- I hope you had a, a good game and uh, and good luck for the rest of the tournament as well. yep same to you mate thank you cheers 
So game number six of the scouring of Cheshire and the, uh, the, the forces of the Fellowship uh, taking on hold ground. So trying to get to the middle and have as many models as you can in the middle, which is always a bit of a tricky one with their, uh, the, the Fellowship with nine models. But made a little bit harder, I think, by my opponent, Michael Haskell. Uh, return to Entmoot uh, with your army. Just give us a quick guide to uh, what your army is, Michael. So I went for the Rangers of Italy and Legendary Legion. I've given it a run out with just Faramir, Madril, Damrod, a captain and a load of rangers and troops. Um, but the suggestion by someone high up in the GBHL league should be that I take Frodo as well. So the list included Frodo. Um, and it worked reasonably well. Um, I knew at sort of 700 points it could be a bit flaky in some scenarios and some situations. But overall, I'm quite pleased with the way it's performed. And, and, and I had six smashing games. Excellent. And how, how have you... What was your tally in the end? Was it two wins for you? Yeah, two wins and four losses. But the four losses came first, so I got to my natural resting point before I got, picked up my two wins. Fair enough, fair enough. So um, so let's just walk us through what happened here, because um, I, I got the priority, so I had to cho- kind of choose where my guys ended up, so I couldn't sort of sneak on behind you or any, uh, any crazy funky stuff like that. Um, but it, it, it's a sort of relatively tree-heavy board in a sense, but it, it sort of has a kind of square that goes around the whole centre um, and then there's a big gap in the middle where there's a river and and of course the objective is in the centre uh, so it's going to be on the river and, and we, we decided it will be slightly to one side of the river which ended up being my side of the river uh, which I thought might be an advantage but actually probably ended up not being an advantage because it meant I, you could just stand and shoot your however many bows it is uh, at me from the other side while I sort of cowered behind trees and hoped for the best yeah I mean essentially it didn't matter where that river was because I was just going to stand back and shoot that, that's the main raison d'etre for my army um, I mean it, it's tree heavy in, in some ways actually there were more trees on my side of the board than the other so mm. um, it did limit your ability to get um, Aragorn and Legolas with those elven cloaks stuck behind um, Oh, someone's in trouble. Um, I'm just wondering whether uh, whether you think that I, I could have, if I'd played it slightly differently, um, and I had a, a role that I mighted up into a three or a two or something, uh, I can't remember what it was, but maybe if I'd tried to avoid coming on in the first turn, I might have had the jump on you, do you think? Possibly, yes. Um, I mean, with Madril, I get the advantage of that Master of Ambush special rule, and, and that did help. I, and Damrod took a couple of turns to turn up, um, but he was a small warband anyway, so it didn't really matter. And actually, in the end, he was quite strategically placed. So the rolls went all right for me. So, yeah, I, I guess what you probably need is to come on afterwards, as it were, and try and maybe get a, a small chunk of my army and decimate it. That, that might have been, but um, as it was, we, we, we were sort of on each other's side of the board, and it just gave me the chance to set myself up and pepper you with arrows. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of bows in this list. How many is it? Is it 30-something? So, so I had 19 bows in terms of rangers. Obviously, Madril, Damrod and Faramir each had a bow. Um, and then I had seven warriors of Minas Tirith with bows as well. Right. Okay, so so we've got an awful lot of uh, bows, but also a, a fair fighting force when you get there. Um, but of course, I, I, I didn't have a chance, although I had uh, Legolas and Aragorn who spent most of their first few turns shooting uh, at Faramir and ended up killing him, yeah. uh, spending uh, ditching a load of might on it, because I knew eventually I'd, uh, I'd succumb to the overwhelming firepower but I spent an awful lot of time cowering behind a tree using my elven cloaks so, to hide me and then Gollum hiding me and then Boromir hiding me and then Gimli hiding me it just felt like a very uncharacteristically fellowship thing to do it was but it, from a game mechanics perspective it probably was the only thing you, you, you could do yeah it was it was funny the fact that, that you kept hiding Aragorn because it got hit fairly early on didn't he and had to use his fate points yeah I think he ended up with uh, all of his fate gone in the first couple of turns yeah. so he was very fragile and wounding him on sixes is you know it, it, it means that 
with 30 or so bows, it's, it's probably a matter of time, isn't it? Yeah, so it was a question of putting uh, volunteer fellowship members in front of Aragorn to try and protect him. Um, the only one, of course, who really, really helped was, was Gimli, because it's just so hard on a strength two bow to get anything on Gimli. Yeah, but six he, is he, my must, he must have been a bit of a, 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 a pincushion by the end of the game, mind you. Yeah, so I think, I think he'll sort of collected loads of arrows that have bounced off his armour throughout the day. I, I think in one way, um, the one thing that played definitely to my disadvantage in this game was that um, the army doesn't break until Frodo dies. So uh, I'd broken for a long time by, by numbers, but, but of course you uh, uh, cannily knew this uh, and just didn't shoot at Frodo at all. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't I couldn't get you to kill Frodo because there's no reason for you to do it. So I ended up standing in the middle with about four, I think four guys going, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do here because I need to, you need to kill Frodo, but Frodo can't do anything. So, he, so he's sort of wading through a river to try and uh, finally collide with the lions. And he did eventually die. But of course, by that time, I only had Gimli left on the board, leaving a, a, a resounding victory to you. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'd forgotten that you needed to kill Frodo in the fellowship to make them break. So I was being a bit wary early on about, do I go for the hobbits and just, you know, could I accidentally break you early? And when you were nearer the centre and I wasn't sort of thing. But, but when you said, oh, no, they don't break till Frodo, I thought well, that gave me a, a distinct advantage in being able to pick and choose a little bit more my moment of, like a, like a snake, the moment I struck, as it were. Yes, yeah, so I basically said, oh, look, I'm Achilles. Why don't you shoot at my heel? Uh, so it was, uh, it was a tough one. But either way, Michael, um, I, was, I was glad to have got Faramir because I think I only killed three models, including Faramir, um, because of, by the time I actually did collide with your lines, was it four? OK, four. By the time I collided with, uh, with your line, it was, uh, it was basically game over and you swamped me and I just thought, well, this is the only way I can do it is let you kill uh, Frodo and then I might... I might be able to have enough guys on the objective to win, but yeah, the, alas, it wasn't to be. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the denouement worked quite well because you got Boromir and Frodo going in, and it because I got the priority and everything, it meant I could trap Boromir yeah. and take him down and, and, and not do anything with Frodo. And then, I say by that stage, you only had Gimli and Frodo left, didn't you? So I could then pick and choose um, when I took Frodo out. Yes, and in the end, there was about 10 guys on the objective. Gimli still valiantly standing, <laughs> wading in the river, throwing axes at people, uh, <laughs> uh, failing to wound every time. But uh, he tried his best damn it but uh, he failed um, Michael 12 to vic- victory to you uh, and two victories for the tournament so uh, well played and thanks for playing me again yeah, it's been a pleasure as ever yeah thanks very much so there with that it's the end of the tournament and officially the end of the Great British Hobbit League for 2019 uh, obviously I'm not exactly riding high in the league especially after that absolutely dire performance in the end but I, I certainly had uh, a great few games and a lot of fun with the Fellowship of the Ring and a particularly challenging um, final game there with Michael Haskell uh, my uh, irregular uh, doubles partner and, uh, and good friend uh, that I see at a lot of different tournaments across the year um, just an interesting game against the Rangers of Athelion that uh, I thought I was never going to win and I was right but I, I, I was quite in, I was quite happy with how I managed to wangle, uh, wangle that so um, so now that leaves only a few more announcements left for uh, the end of the league and I'm sure if you're uh, a sort of a, a big uh, a Great British Hobbit League fan or you're a member of the league or you're into the, the competitive scene you'll already know a lot of these things but I, I might as well read them out and just give people a bit of a shout out for, for how well they've done this year so first of all uh, well done to Steve Crow, uh, Jay Finnegan and Benjamin Bowles as well for putting on the event uh, the, this this year, the sort of league finale as well. 
but also to a lot of other people who've been getting awards and uh, people who've done a lot of uh, excellent work. Uh, Charles Sims, uh, he's a sort of uh, he's an absolute stalwart of the community in the sense that he he puts all of the the table together for and keeps track of all the different tournaments and the results uh, to actually compile the league. So a big shout out to him because I think he goes very much underappreciated in many ways for all the extra work he does behind the scenes, uh, doing all the maths and making a, an efficient table that works and and all that sort of stuff. So uh, a shout out to shout out to you if you're listening, Charles. Um, also uh, lots of lots of different people who've arranged tournaments across the year. And, but also other people who who do little bits and bobs like the the King brothers, uh, Alistair uh, King and and Matt King, who both uh, are instrumental in organising the league as well, uh, and some of the other members of the board, as it were, or the the top, I, I don't know what they call it, the committee of some sort, uh, which includes Will Champion and James Long, and and I think some other people. But I, I, apologies, I don't know who you are. Uh, but also uh, the Southern League and the Northern League and the Central League this year. So uh, the, the country's divided into three things to make sure that people don't have to travel too far and uh, get a still get, manage to get a win if they want. So uh, people who did well in the Southern league were uh, Dewey Evans in third Alistair King in second and first place Callum Edens uh, Callum who uh, you may remember from the Ardcon coverage uh, did very well in Ardcon and um, also m- managed to win the very first uh, tournament that the podcast featured which was into the Wilderland so uh, again down south as well so Southern League winner Alec Callum Lead well done uh, Eden sorry well done to him uh, Northern League uh, so this is sort of north of Manchester and includes Yorkshire and Scotland and places like that uh, this is uh, third place Christopher Murphy who uh, de- I definitely spoke to uh, I played against him in uh, I can't remember where it was but uh, I played with my Mummock war leader and he had the uh, trebuchet uh, no the ballista Iron Hills ballista and stuff and he really rated my mummy kill uh, so decided to take it to a tournament uh, a, a bit later and ended up winning with it so excellent well done to you Chris Murphy third place Ian McGregor uh, played against you in the same tournament uh, we had a nice good chat as well you also had Iron Hills I believe but well done to you second place in the Northern League uh, first place in the Northern League Will Champion who we've spoken to plenty of times on the podcast as well uh, the Central League so uh, this is uh, the sort of Manchester and Nottingham kind of Corridor uh, down the centre of the England. Uh, third place, Ed Ball, uh, who I spoke to early on in the, the year, um, who's now working at Games Workshop. So sadly, won't be able to hear from him anymore until uh, Games Workshop uh, changes its rules about uh, being able to talk to people. Second place, Jakob Krochmal, who um, play, uh, talked to a number of times over over the year uh, because after winning numerous, numerous, um, numerous trophies, he's, he's an excellent, excellent player. Uh, so well done to you, Jakob. Um, first place in the Central League was. Jay Clare. Now, uh, there's a couple of other bits and bobs. Um, one is that there is uh, there's a Best Newcomer Award, and that goes to George Stromberg this year. George, who uh, I've spoken to on a couple of podcasts now. Uh, very, very, uh, very lovely bloke. A really uh, sort of uh, enthusiastic uh, talker as well. We like to hear from him on the podcast. So, uh, well done to you, George. Um, artisan of Middle Earth, Scott Whitefoot, who I don't think I've ever spoken to on the podcast, but an absolute um, artist. So, this is an Artisan of Middle Earth award that goes to the person who won the most best painted awards uh, throughout the year, Scott Whitefoot, for his fantastic Moria Goblin army, uh, which includes a cave drake and there's lots of w- uh, water effects and. Uh, 
uh, jungle kind of vibe. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you check that out on the on the old uh, on the old uh, Facebook pages, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Uh, also, a friend of Middle Earth. This is a person who won the most um, most sporting awards, um, and that would be Harry Moore. Uh, I, I, Special shout out to second place, which was me. Um, we actually drew um, for the number of titles we won. Uh, both of us got three uh, most sporting awards throughout the year. But Harry, of course, who's much higher in the league than me, uh, pips it to the post from the sort of tie draw, uh, tiebreakers, and also has been to a lot more, tor- a lot fewer tournaments than I have, to be fair. So, so much more deserving in terms of ratio. So that's excellent work. Now <clears throat> that leaves the twenty-nine champions of the Great British Hobbit League uh, being Calman uh, in third place. Now, Calman uh, spoke to definitely in Scotland. I can't remember how many times I've spoken to him. Oh, he also, uh, he won in the Kings of Men in uh, Nottingham as well uh, in the sort of late summer. Uh, so well done to Calman there. Um, second place, uh, the indomitable, indomitable, uh, Jay Clare, if I can stumble the words out. Uh, Jay Clare, who of course uh, sadly can't talk to you on the podcast because uh, of his involvement in the uh, Games Workshop itself and for some reason, again, they don't like it. Um, so, uh, Jay, well done to you. Uh, you've, uh, as we've heard, uh, won first place in the Central League, second place in the overall league, which is absolutely outstanding effort. And the champion of all champions is, of course, Will Champion. I managed to catch up with him just before we all headed off at the end of the tournament. So, uh, the end of the scouring of, of, of Cheshire, and uh, Jay Clare ended up winning the, the tournament itself, but um, because of Jay Clare being the rules writer and Games Workshop are very protective of, uh, of them talking to, to me at the moment, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be able to change that soon, but... Um, it means that there's no one to talk to for the end, except that the this is also the league finale for the Great British Hobbit League, and uh, it has crowned a winner uh, in the league, which is it's just quite a feat actually, considering at the start of the the league there were quite a lot of um, a lot of people who'd won a fair few tournaments, so it's, it's it's gone down to the wire, hasn't it? But the end result was the winner of the league was Will Champion. Well done. Thank you very much. So, and first of all, we're talking about that, and the, I suppose the, the, the fact that the meta seems to have changed, and generally the, the new rules came out, and there was a lot kind of up in the air at the start of this year's league, and there was a lot of people that were potentially going to win, but how do you feel having come out of it um, winning? Uh, phenomenal. Um, obviously, everyone wants to try and win the league if they go to tournaments and, and want to win tournaments. It's the next step. Um, no one's won the league before, apart from Ed and Jay. So I think there's a few people rooting for me as well, which was nice. Um, with regards to the meta, obviously this year's been wild from start to finish, and it's constantly changed with new models, releases, and FAQs. Um, but I've always been a player that's tried to play something different and new every time. So. For me, the new changes weren't quite as abrasive as, as it would be for some people who have their list and they stick to it. Um, so I tended to go with the flow a little bit, um, and I think this tournament sort of speaks volumes for that um, because I took one of the new uh, Warren Rohan lists, um, yeah. and, it, and it went okay. <laughs> it certainly did. You ended up coming second in this uh, yeah. this yeah. event itself. But as you said, that was going to be my next question, was that um, over the year you must have played with a dozen or so different, uh, different armies at different tournaments. How is that... How difficult is it, I suppose, mastering new armies and still being at the top tables? I don't find it difficult at all. Um, I've been playing for quite a well, while. It's just bragging, so, isn't it? Well, it, it, it's one of my talents, I think, because there are people that are better at the game than I am, 100%, mm. um, and there always will be, and there's always new players coming in ready to topple the, you know, the old hats. Um, but I've always been able to play with new armies and, and give them a pretty good go. Mm. Um, with the... 
the, with this league, I, I've won a, a tournament with Hunter Rocks. I've won. Um, what was the other one? No, I've won two armies with some sort of Hunter Rock variant. But I've also podiumed in quite a few this year, and that's been using Rohan. That's been using Iron Hills. Um, I took the Iron Hills to the ETC, um, and we won that as well. So. I've used quite a few varied lists over the thing and it, it depends on the points value in the scenarios and, and also who you're likely to be playing and that's that's the art of, of trying to do well at tournaments it's not necessarily taking an arm that you think is good it's taking an arm that you think is good against the people you're going to play and I, maybe I've just done better at that this year than other people maybe indeed and uh, the way the league works is that you sort of tally up the, be- the best four performances over the over the year so yeah. you've managed to do that even though you've only won two one two, two yeah. but you've, you've podiumed in almost everything yeah I've, I can't <laughs> remember the exact number I think it's 15 tournaments and 10 podiums so I mean it's been the best year I've ever had uh, and I'm very lucky to have that because you know it looks as important as skill in this game absolutely and do you think the, the fact that you've been taking new legions new new armies new models even and today Haleth and Haldor are the, your, your new additions do you think that kind of idea of bringing something that's pretty fresh that people haven't yet quite got the grips around yet of playing against in particular um, has helped you, you do so well um, not necessarily I think sometimes taking models that are lesser seen than other things um, can sort of set people off balance they might not quite realise what they can do or the synergy that that can provide um, with the Rohan one I, I was a little bit cautious about bringing that because obviously it was released yesterday um, however I've spoken to the tournament organiser and he said yeah well it's released on the day if you send me a list beforehand as per the rules and stuff that's fine um, but also the newest models in that were Halif and Aldor and they were both released a couple of weeks ago so everybody knows what they do and also because it's Rohan those models already exist so it's a couple of special rules for the army but it's nothing people can't you know there's nothing too unclear or you know brand spanking new yeah i suppose and, and the fact that you've you've come second in a, what what i would say was pretty much a shark tank at the top we've got literally Absolutely, the top 20 yeah. players in from the league all playing in the league finale to try and win that that top position so yeah. you must have played against some of the the top players in the league uh, absolutely i played against ryan hinch i played against calman who came third um i played against dave clubley who's another seasoned veteran mm. Um, I can't remember the other ones. It's been a bit of a long weekend, to be <laughs> yeah, honest. But you know, I, I've I've not had an easy run. That that's for sure. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, and so so finally, uh, next year, uh, I'm guessing you're going to be still playing in the uh, in the league generally. And um, what do you think will change over uh, over the start of the next league? Now that this this sort of it's probably a year it's a year in now um, to the the new edition. There's there's still new things coming out all the time. Do you think anything will actually change, or will it stay pretty much as it is at the moment? That everything seems to be a complete uh, completely changing. Uh, month by month the perfect thing about the game in its current state is we keep getting new releases and new releases spin the wheel again on the meta mm. um, so I, I anticipate at least for the first six months that Rohan's going to be very popular but then because Rohan become more popular people start taking things that beat Rohan mm. and then some people will find things that beat that and, and the wheel always spins and by that point you know there'll be a new FAQ a new release and you know it's because we've had a few years where the league's been quite stale purely because we haven't had new releases and things mm. the last couple of years have been wild and I think that's for the better mm. we've seen a lot of new players we've seen a lot of people winning tournaments podium in tournaments that haven't really played before mm. and I think it's unsettling some of the players at the top um, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way I mean it's literally making some players emerge through where they wouldn't before mm. because there's new things that people haven't considered mm. and also fresh minds on the game yeah. um, and, and looking at things from a different perspective which is good for everyone it has to be absolutely well we'll, we'll champion uh, the champion by name champion by nature uh, once more uh, you've number one in the GBHL and second in this tournament well done Will you well deserved I'm sure thank you very much
So there you go, that's that for the GBHL 2019 League. Uh, thanks very much to everyone who spoke to me in this episode. I hope you had a great time. Uh, I also had a, a fantastic uh, time at the tournament in general, um, especially on the sort of Saturday night, which was absolutely uh, absolutely fantastic. We had a, had a great chat, uh, me and some of the Irish folk who were... Special shout out to the Irish folk who I spent a lot of the uh, Saturday night with uh, uh, Donal and and uh, D- Dave Coleman and and a few other people as well. Uh, I, I, sorry, apologies, chaps. I've, I've, I can't remember all your names. It feels like a, a long time ago now. Um, but I know Dave, you ended up uh, coming third in the tournament, um, which was excellent work with Sauron um, and Shelob and lots and lots of orcs, which. I really want to pick your brain about uh, because as you may have heard on the podcast I haven't had a great deal of success with Sauron and it sounds like you did a great job so uh, excellent work Dave um, so uh, that's that's pretty much it uh, so roll on uh, 2020 at uh, the start of the league of course will be coming very soon um, there'll be I won't be at the start of the league or, or indeed uh, for uh, any of the early uh, uh, early events in the league but I will I will be play, uh, releasing some episodes I'll be releasing the uh, finally the the end of the slow grow league episode so talking to some of my local players who i got into the game uh, who have been doing it slow grow league which is fantastic um also there'll be the masters event so every year the uh the the winners of the sort of the top eight players or something like that of the great british hobbit league uh, compete in the masters event of the year to sort of crown the the, the officially sort of in a knockout type of tournament uh, to crown the official winner of the uh, GBHL uh, Masters event which will be very exciting and the uh, event's slightly different this year in the sense that uh, one day will be the Masters tournament uh, they'll play four games and there'll be a knockout and all this sort of stuff the second day or maybe it's the first day I can't remember which way around it is will be a doubles event where the uh, uh, sort of being each of the Masters will be partnered up with a sort of apprentice so I will be someone's apprentice for the doubles event which will be very exciting that'll be a lot of good fun so looking forward to that uh, that'll be coming up at the end of February I believe so and um, that's pretty much it thanks very much for listening to another uh, Entmoot podcast uh, if you want to uh, help support uh, what I do uh, find me on Patreon uh, on Battle Games for Middle Earth just search for that uh, uh, check out the YouTube channel where I've got some painting tutorials and things like that uh, and uh, all that sort of stuff and also follow me on the old Facebook page and don't forget to send in your emails entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know the answer to the riddle in the dark or just have any questions about how the uh, podcast panned out or how any of the armies worked or anything like that please do get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com and with that thanks very much for listening Boo-ra-rum.